so good to be here. I love Activate. I, uh, I've got a real heart for Jane and Sheridan and obviously the boys. And I want to see New Zealand shaking with the gospel. That's what I want to see, man. I don't want to play games. I want to see God move powerfully through our nation. And, uh, and he wants to use you. Not just me. He wants to use you. I spoke at a church this morning, and I, I think this is really cool because you were sharing about the conference last year. <clears throat> and I was on a prayer line. I was, I was praying for a lot of people, and this young girl, she would have been, I don't know, maybe 20, 25. She came up to me as I was praying for people, and she went, oh, it's you, it's you. Like, awkward, yeah, oh, hi. And, uh, and she grabbed me. And she started hitting my back. Like, seriously, it started getting a little annoying. Like, she's hard out hitting my back. She's really excited about something. And I said, oh, you know, how did we meet? And she said, last year, I was at the food court at the base. And I was cleaning. I'm a cleaner at the food court. And I saw you stand up on a chair and tell everyone about Jesus. You see, that had such an impact on her. But what if that was everyday life? What if that wasn't just because we were doing a conference and we went on outreach? You know, the more I grow in Him, the more I hate that word outreach. I want to stomp it and get it out of the church. You see, because if we do outreach from 7 o'clock till 10.30 on a Friday night, and then we tick the outreach box, what about the rest of the week? What if our life was the outreach? What if our life was conference mode? What if our life was wherever we go, we understand that we take a living God with us? It's not the evangelist's job to preach the gospel. It's the evangelist's job to do what I'm doing right now, to inspire, to equip, and to send you into the harvest field. It's the Christian's job to preach the gospel. I have the privilege. I've been personally invited by Ryan Hardbonke. Jay and I are going to share a little bit about CFAN tonight. And there's probably a lot of you that are not sure what CFAN even is. You'll, you'll know shortly. So Ryan Hardbonke is an amazing evangelist. He invited me last year to come to his farewell conference. And I made a little video. Check this out. If we could kill the lights, it'd be great. When I met Jesus 21 years ago, and He changed my life forever.
like hard out. 750,000 people in attendance. That's quite a few people. And the interesting thing for me was Reinhard Bonnke had served Africa for 53 years. 53 years ago, he had three dreams of a, a blood-washed continent of Africa. And God said to him, go. And I was there for his farewell. It's like funeral music. It's good, though. You're doing great. Um, sometimes I need to filter what I'm saying. <laughs> and, uh, and I was there for, for his farewell. I was there as he preached his last message in Africa. And we had a uh, communion service with him for the guests. And he shared this story. He said, you know, the crowds have grown over the years. 750,000 was definitely not the biggest crowd that he's preached in front of. I think the biggest is over 3 million people. So powerful, man. Far out. And um, he said in the early days, he would have crusades and 10 people would turn up. That's like not 10,000. That's 10 human beings that are Muslim that would turn up. He'd preach the gospel and they'd walk away Muslims. So he had to push through some stuff. And I believe as the body of Christ, we need to push through some stuff. See, what's God placed on your life? What's God told you to do? Because it's not just going to be on a platter like this. You're going to have to push through. You're going to have people coming against you. Far out, I get that a lot. And it's okay because I won't compromise about that beautiful bloodstained cross. So to hear this man preach his last message in Africa, to be meters away from him, was such a powerful moment. Because I realized that he's no different to you and me. He's just a normal man. They have seen 78 million uh, salvations filled out, registered decision cards. 78 million, and they only started recording in uh, 1983. So this is not 78 hand up, hand down. This is 78 registered cards and every one of those people gets followed up. Their follow-up system is mind-blowing. Two hours after they've filled out the card, they get a text message or an email saying, this is your church. This is your pastor's name. This is the service time. Every single one of them. I watched as hundreds of thousands of people responded to the gospel and I stood on the stage going, how does this work? And then there was an invasion of counselors through the crowd. It was powerful. No one gets left behind. It was so powerful, man. It was such an honor to be a part of it. So I've got another video clip. And we're, we're going to kill the lights again. And this one goes a little bit longer. But what I want you to see is the numbers on the bottom of the, on the video because they are registered decisions for Jesus. These guys that Jay and I have been hanging out with in the States are legit shaking the world with the gospel. 
and Jay and I had the privilege of sitting under them. Check this video out. As weak as can be, you will go home like a conqueror with Jesus inside of you.
come on. So that is CFAN. That is Christ for all nations. That is the ministry that Reinhard Bonnke started 53 years ago. And uh, last year I got invited to the School of Evangelism, which is S- they call it SOE. And Reinhard had a, had a vision to bring a hundred evangelists handpicked from around the world into a small room and get the best speakers in the world to come and impart into those a hundred evangelists. And then they called it a launch pad to launch them into the world. That was his vision. And uh, it was such an honor last year for me to be a, be a part of it. Myself and Matty Russell. There was two Kiwis. Well, he's a Kiwi sort of Aussie guy. And, uh, and it was powerful, man. It was really powerful. Some of you heard the story. I, I had a, I don't even know what you'd call it, but this poor ripped my chest open and pulled my heart out. I felt it. I saw it. I heard it. And it was a line of Judah, and he said, this is now mine with my heart. It's powerful. One of those moments in time I'll never forget. It was one of those intimate times with me and him. Really interesting. Last night I spoke at the uh, youth conference. And this girl after the conference came up to me with her youth pastor, and she was freaking out. And the youth pastor said, hey, she really wants to talk to you, but she's really scared, like fully scared of me. <laughs> that was quite cool. And Because uh, I'm not that scary. And, um, and she'd drawn a picture. And she, she was kind of saying, oh, look, I, 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 drew, I drew this picture, and I'm not sure. And I was going, what's the picture? And she's, you know, she's really struggling to show me this picture. I said, just show me the picture. And what it was, it was a picture of a hand that had a heart in it. And I just went, wow. I said, do you know what that means to me? I said, that is so powerful. Why did you draw that? And she said, I just felt God wanted to say, don't forget that he's got your heart. (laughs) He's so good, eh? He's so good, man. He's such a good God. He's so for you, man. He loves you so much. And He wants to fill you up so He can pour you out on that lost and dying world that are just out those doors. So I had the the honor of putting it, you're not actually allowed to do the school twice. And I had the honor of uh, putting a team, pulling a team together of Kiwis and Aussies. There was 21 of us. Jay was one of them. To go and just experience the school of evangelism again. And uh, I love Jay just to come up and share his heart and just, yeah, tell us what happened in your world, brother. Awesome. So as you saw, they are hard out. Like 75 million people saved. It's incredible. And I, 78. 78. Three more. Anyway, <laughs> basically, uh, these incredible speakers, Daniel Kalender was there. He took over from Reinhard Bonnke and uh, he was there speaking. He was the guy leading the, the school. And man, he was incredible. Just super powerful what he was saying. But it was a four-day school, highly uh, high intensive. It was, you know, we were up really early in the morning, in the doors at uh, about 7.30, and um, and then finished normally quite late, about most days 6, and 
then on the last day, it wasn't till, we weren't gone till midnight, whatever. Um, but it was hard out. It was so good. The first day, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I think that was good. Um, and I kind of went in expecting this incredible God encounter and just to happen on the first day. And I was actually really disappointed. Nothing happened for me. Of course, the speakers were incredible, but nothing happened for me. I wasn't touched by God. I wasn't, I didn't hear anything from God. And I was like, are you serious? I paid you this amount of money for this. <laughs> it was kind of disappointing. But then the second day, it just took off on a whole new level. It built off that momentum from the first day. And oh my gosh, it was just amazing. Like you guys might know the names, uh, Todd White, Daniel Kalenda, Eric Gilmore, Michael Kulianos, all these incredible speakers, incredible men of God, and they're just imparting their heart into us. And it was so incredible. Um, and there was a guy called um, Brian Guerin, and he, he was really awkwardly staring at me as he was speaking. Would look away, stare back at me just constantly throughout the whole time and then, and then near the end he said I've got a word for you I'm going to tell you after and I was like oh, this is flipping awesome cool but what I didn't know is that he's actually he's he's a prophet but he doesn't normally call people out on the spot he's only done that once or twice in his ministry he's a guy that would prophesy over people after the gathering just go to the people who respond at the front but he called me out and that's incredible because he's He's super well known, and it's it was oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> and so after he came and prophesied over me, and he was saying these words, he was saying that my he saw my feet on fire going through nations. He saw me as an itinerant preacher. He saw an evangelistic gift and a prophetic gift on my life, but a huge, huge apostolic gift. And holy moly, it's getting to me right now. It was amazing. And okay, that, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this is the real deal. I'm in the right place. The next day, we heard Suzette Hatting. Oh my gosh, she is like a real life angel and her eyes are on fire and like if she stares yeah. at you, you feel like you're going to explode. Yeah. Like hard out, it was man. hard out. Yeah. And actually, just, just on yeah. that, I actually said to the guy that I was sitting next to, I said if if she is what we call a Christian, I need to get saved right now. Just like hard out. Sorry, man. Oh, 100% agree. But she is she is preaching this incredible word. It's really intense, but really beautiful. And she was talking about how you've got the porch and you've got the altar. The altar being your quiet place. The time where you spend time with God and the porch being where you preach the gospel, where you speak, where you go into your workplace, your school, wherever you are. And just speak the word of God. And she said, of course, if you go onto the porch, you, you can see results. You can see salvation. You can see miracles. You can see all these incredible things. But what if you go to the altar before you go to the porch? You're going to see at least double the portion. And oh my gosh, I think it hit everyone in the room like, of course, of course I love Jesus before the school. Of course I spent time with him. But then I was like, am I really spending time with him? <laughs> I just felt, I felt like a child. It was, it was crack up. Um, but that was really life-changing that day. And then the next day, that was one hard out day. So that was, uh, Todd White came. He preached his heart out at the night. Suzette spoke again. There were all these incredible electives during the day. And at the night, there was 
uh, what they call a fire tunnel. And basically that's the thing that like everybody's looking forward to in the school, you know? Like all the preachers basically get in a line on either side and you walk right through and they all lay hands on you. They all uh, just pray for you. And basically in the line, you can't see anything because it's in a completely, it's in a hallway from a completely different place of where the, the tunnel is. So you're there in the line. I was near the back and I'm like getting all pumped and you just hear screaming and you hear just, people falling over just and it was it was nuts man so so basically I, I walk in and I see literally nearly everyone just on the ground or just shaking and it was it was oh my gosh Jesus and anyway I was like right there about to go in I'm like oh my gosh I'm about to have some crazy God encounter I walk through get to the end nothing happened Oh, it was so disappointed. I was like, again, I paid money for this. <laughs> so, so I walked through the tunnel. Well, I walked through the tunnel. Nothing happened. I go back to the studio where the the main sessions were being held, and I just sit down. I'm there alone at the time. And I'm just like, why God? This is stupid. Why am I not getting an encounter? Look at all these incredible people just like on the ground getting slain by the Spirit and just having these awesome encounters. And what God said to me was, you don't need that. You need this most small tender whisper to be fully satisfied and filled. Oh my gosh. Like if I hear the whisper of God, oh my gosh, it just changes me on the spot. It's so beautiful, eh? And, oh my gosh, (laughs) Jesus, oh man, so that was incredible, I got home that night and my roommate, um, uh, who I was staying with at the hotel to make it cheaper, um, was a guy called James from, down from Nelson and we were just crying together, having a great time with God. It was so beautiful, man. We had communion. We went down to the local dairy and bought some crackers and some grape juice. And oh my gosh, it was like the best communion I've ever had. (laughs) Anyway, so I found it a bit hard to sleep that night. God just hard out touching me. And then the next morning was the next, was the last day. Incredible day. You know, Todd, Todd spoke in the morning. Uh, I think Eric spoke after Todd, Eric Gilmore. And, oh, Eric's, Eric's amazing. He's got such a gentle voice, but there's such authority that comes out of it. He just speaks about the intimacy of God. And, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. Oh, I want to go back. Um, and basically, the school finished. We got a certificate. We all took our photos. But there was a night which CFAM put on called Crave which is uh, basically an open invitation invite, just all from word of mouth. And it was um, basically no agenda, just Jesus. So all the speakers that were at the school were were there. They were tagging in and they had no plan. They basically, we went there and there was was worship music, but they had no clue what songs they were going to do. They, and then the speakers, they didn't have anything planned. And it was, it was weird, man, but it was so cool. Anyway, then Daz, uh, myself, Jason Dawkins from Australia, a few, a few of us all went outside. And the line was right from the front of the door of the auditorium, right around to the corner of the building, and still went 
there were, there were at least a, a thousand in the line. And during that night, there would have been at least a couple of thousand all packed in the auditorium, all out into the foyer and some still outside waiting, just ready to encounter Jesus. And so basically we, Daz, myself, a few others, we went outside to the line and we basically just started to get people pumped up. Oh, actually, rewind, rewind. Going to talk about some some hard out stuff that happened. So basically the hotel was, this was the day before that, that big crave event. Basically the day before we were in the mall and oh my gosh. Basically, we were just preaching the gospel to some guys around the mall. We split up. I went outside because I saw no one else went outside. I started talking to this awesome African-American guy. I just sat down with him. He was so responding to the gospel. So beautiful. And I just hear, you effing white preacher boy. That's not good. I turn around and there's these two six foot eight African-American guys Looks a bit like Daz, just black. Um, so. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and they just start sprinting at me. It's America. I just thought, if I don't run, I'm going to get stabbed. <laughs> like, I had no clue what to expect. So I'm sprinting away. By the way, a few months ago, I had surgery on my knee. So I'm just like going, please don't give up, knee. Please don't give up. As I'm sprinting away, I get away. I find Daz, and he's like... You're good, man. Because apparently my face was just white, as in like, oh my gosh. And anyway, fear of man hit me, man. The seed of fear just went into my heart. It was horrible. I basically, we were walking through the mall after that, um, you know, trying to hide just in case they, they pop out somewhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, all that's going through my head is, oh, I've got to tell that person about Jesus. But I'm like, heck no, I'm not. And it was, it was horrible. And it's so real, fear of man. Fear of man is so, the biggest plague of, in the church, man. And it needs to go. It needs to go. Um, but the next day at that Crave meeting, I still had that fear in me, even through that whole day of the school, the last day of school. And, it, oh, man, it was, it was eating me. It was horrible. And basically at that Crave meeting when we went outside to get people pumped up and we started praying for people out in the line before the event started, Daz got me over to start prophesying over this lady and I started prophesying over her and <laughs> come on man so good man it was like oh <laughs> Jesus it was like spot on man isn't I totally just word of knowledge exactly what was going on in her life and she she just hugged me and she couldn't stop hugging me she dropped to the ground God put her down man it was awesome and, and she's just on the ground encountering Jesus man and at that point that fear of man that I had that the day before just fully went off me All we need is to preach the gospel. All we need is to let Jesus into people's life, man. He could change their life around. She was there struggling from these hard out things, which I won't repeat because it was hard out. And she was radically touched by God. Life changed just like that. Anyway, we were praying for heaps of people in the line, going around, running. Even Dez was running. 
going through the line, shouting out, come on, everyone's getting pumped up for Jesus. Basically, the event goes on and we're having an awesome time, awesome time just worshipping Jesus, free worship. All the speakers come up and just share their heart. And um, basically, Daniel Kalinda said, uh, uh, told all the School of Evangelism students to come up on stage. So we came up on stage. I didn't actually hear anything he said. I realized going back to it that he told us to get into peers and go and pray for people. I did not get into peers because I didn't hear it. So, oops. Um, but basically, he said, I, I want you to all go down there and unleash the fire of God on people. I didn't hear that again. So I go down. I pray for the first person. I just, just a normal, average old, you know. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you love them. You know, just a, and I just felt God going, stop being a sissy, Jay. What? He's like, unleash the fire. I'm like, okay. So I just start praying. I'm just unleashing the fire. Hits the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Then I go to the next person. I just unleash that fire. Just pray for them. They hit the ground. I prayed for at least 100 people and at least half of them got just totally wrecked by God. And it was incredible. And just, oh my gosh, prophetic words, words of knowledge just flowing, flowing. And oh my gosh, it was actually amazing. Um, But that's the thing. Like, as I said before, when I was praying for that lady, I had the fear of man on my life. And just one encounter with God took it all away. All we need is that one encounter. So then... That was that was the school. Daz and uh, myself and Brian, uh, we went all uh, we went to South Carolina and preached our hearts out at a, at some home groups and churches and people getting radically touched. I prayed for a lady with a broken foot. She walked out without a broken foot. Uh, just just incredible things like that. There was a guy who came and and he had uh, bad eyesight and it's like he could see two of things and, and basically I was praying for him and and he left with it not completely healed but basically fully and then he prayed for my leg after and all my pain went away that I had in my leg so it was so cool he was inspired but honestly probably the most life well not probably definitely the most life changing thing I've ever experienced I've ever had and man we can't afford to hold back the gospel we can't afford to hold it back, man. Like, as Daz said, it's not the evangelist's job to preach the gospel. It's the Christian's job. It doesn't say in Mark 16, 15, Christians go out into the world. No. It, oh, sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> evangelists go into the world. It says the church. It's all of our jobs. Yeah, we may do it in different ways. You don't have to get up on a table in a, a, or in a plane, you know, in the middle of a shopping center or whatever and, and start shouting, shouting out, Jesus loves you and so on. You can do it in your own way. You could bake a cake and bring it to your neighbor. That's the love of Jesus, man. I don't do that. I just, you know, I, I do it my own way. <laughs> I, I, I haven't tried it. <laughs> But honestly, it's, it's just that one encounter that we need to get rid of all that fear. And we can't hold back the gospel. Sorry, I rambled on. All yours. Way, man. Thanks, guys. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, it was powerful. Do you remember that restaurant that night when we, we went into that restaurant? And uh, what's that? Yeah, 
So we go into this restaurant with some buddies, and uh, we're just talking about Jesus at the table. There's six of us. So we're just talking about Jesus. And one of my friends is actually Pastor Brian. He's my mentor. He was, I'm sitting here, and he's sitting directly there, so he can see over my shoulder. And he said, hey, Daz, the, the guy next to us is crying because he was hearing the gospel. And uh, so I went over to him as we were leaving. And uh, I said, hey, bro. And he was a wee bit funny about it. And then as, as we were actually leaving, I went over to him again. And uh, he was deaf. And he said, sorry, I can't understand you. And I just looked him in the eyes and I said, you know what? Jesus Christ loves you so much, man. See, it's that simple. At not one point was I trying to arm wrestle him into saying a prayer that's not even in the Bible. Sinner's prayer. It might be in the book of maps, but it's not in the Bible that I read. <clears throat> and as we were walking out, I thought, I want to tell everyone in this restaurant that Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. But the music was so loud. It was just like, oh man, I'd have to be so incredibly loud and it would probably be a little bit obnoxious. So I thought, oh. So we're walking out and as we're walking out, the music just goes woof, off. I went, wow. And I said, hey guys, I just want you to know my name's Daz, I'm from New Zealand. You see, because that gets them interested. Oh, cool, what's the New Zealand guy going to say? I want you to know that Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. And He loves you so much. Jesus Christ has got a plan for your life. Have an awesome meal, guys. I love you heaps. And then as I, it was so simple, sowing that seed. So simple, man. And as I'm walking out, this lady comes up to me. She wraps her arms around me. She's getting messed up. And she says, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. That's not evangelism. That's normal Christianity. I believe it's time for the body of Christ. We've only got 10 minutes. I believe that it's time for the body of Christ, all of us, to divorce the fear of man. Because maybe if we saw blind eyes open, if we saw deaf ears open, if we saw the dead coming back to life, if we saw all these amazing miracles, that would help with our fear. Do you reckon? I totally disagree. Sorry, I tricked you. Because I don't think it would at all. And I'll tell you why. Because Peter, he saw all this amazing stuff in the Bible. He saw Jesus walking on water, feeding the 5,000, doing all this incredible stuff. But yet, when the time came, he denied Christ three times. But he'd seen all that stuff with his own eyes. <clears throat> it blows my mind, man. But it points to one thing. Because that same Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 was in the upper room. And they're up there and the Holy Ghost turns up in power in the upper room. Like a whirlwind of power in that room, man. Tongues of fire above the heads. They start speaking in new tongues. That one that denied Christ three times, gets out on the street and publicly declares the gospel. And 3,000 get added to the church that day. How does that work? 
Holy Ghost. Once the Holy Ghost is in you, He makes the impossible possible. And then we read on Acts 3. Peter and John, they're at the gates, beautiful. There's a crippled man there from birth. He says, hey, Pete, John, how you going, guys? Hey, uh, have you got any money? And Pete looks at John, and John looks at Peter, and they go, mm, no, I've only got my card. And they go, okay. So they've got no money. Well, what do they do? Then Peter remembers what happened a couple of weeks earlier. And he says this, silver and gold, money, I do not have. But what I do have, I can give you right now. But you can't give what you haven't got. My question is, have you got Him? Have you given your life to Jesus and said, Lord, come into my life, not just my heart, my life, and I want you to sit on the throne of my life. Because if there's other things sitting on the throne of your life, we've got a problem. Because that will lead to a thing that's called lukewarm and you do not want to be vomited from his mouth. They grab him. They pray for him in the name of Jesus. Stand up. This dude stands up. Everyone would have seen it, man. A public declaration of a living king. That's what happens when we go into the streets. We've got a living God inside us and we're, we're, we're going to see public declarations of a living king wherever we go. That's normal Christianity. What I love so much about that story is then he shares the gospel in the synagogue and the crippled man is standing right next to him. Ooh, that is so good. <clears throat> the key to breaking fear of man off your life is Holy Ghost. It's so simple. You see, because people see me bold dares and they think, wow, you must have been such a full-on kid because you're so out there. And yes, I am. I'm comfortable in Muslim mosques preaching. I'm comfortable in malls, in planes, wherever. I got told at the, uh, at the mall in the States, if I preach again, they're going to arrest me. I preached another five times and security people would walk straight past and they would hear every word and they did nothing. Why is that? Because I believe the power of the seed coming out of my mouth. And if I got arrested, sweet as, I'm gonna share the gospel in a jail cell, man. I believe this thing with everything I've got. <clears throat> but as a little boy, I was full of anxiety and fear and depression. I can remember sitting on my granddad's knee, six years old, he kicked me off his knee because I couldn't read the words on a page. And he said, you are thick just like your father. And I believe that lie. What lies have you believed? Because the devil is a liar and he's the father of all lies. And we need to stomp his head and kick him out of our life. So, I wanted to be the guy that would be in the background. I wanted to be the guy that, that people wouldn't look at. I wanted to be the guy that could have friends because I found it so hard to find friends. I found it so hard for, to get people to like me. This is me saying, this is what I was like. 
this is me being vulnerable with you because I don't want you to think that I grew up like this. I was 12 years old and I got asked to spell a word in my class. The teacher said, Darren, this is your word. I tried to spell it. I've struggled with dyslexia. I got it all wrong. The class started laughing and I peed myself in front of the class. Do you know how embarrassing, how humiliating that is? I was so broken, man. I was so shy, broken, shut down, damaged and hurt. So why would I go into a Freemason hall, stand in front of 150 men, proclaim the gospel, get punched in the head, get dragged out onto the street, blood pouring out of my face? What has happened in my life for that scared little boy to be able to do that? I had an encounter 22 years ago with Jesus Christ and He's changed my life. Acts 4.13 says this, when they saw the courage when they saw the courage, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were amazed. They realised that they were unskilled, ordinary men, but they spent time with Jesus. That's the key to breaking fear off your life. And once you break that fear, you divorce it from your life and you start walking with Him. You can't but see your friends, your family, your work colleagues saved. You guys, I'm feeling a bit of resistance against this. People are going to hell and the, the body of Christ is so caught up in fear that it's not okay. And I'm prepared to confront it. I'm prepared to not be liked because of the message that I will preach. The world needs you. And if you justify your dysfunction, we've got a problem. Because you may go, but they're not ready. But I don't, I don't want to offend them. But I don't have all the answers. But I don't know. But I don't know. But I don't know. And as you're going, but I don't know, people are falling into hell. And it's not okay. Because the same Holy Ghost that lives in me lives in you. The same Holy Ghost that lived in Wigglesworth lives in you. The same Holy Ghost that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. I'm not being mean. I'm sorry if that's too strong, but I'm just so over the body being scared of other humans. I'm sick of it. I went into a dairy. I'll just let you sit with that for a sec. And I might just read you a a nice poem just to change gears a bit. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you are to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you by day, but never did you show me the way. You knew your Savior in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Although we walked together here on earth, you never told me about a second birth. And now I stand before eternal hell because of heaven's glory you did not tell. I went into a dairy. I was doing a a big full day outreach with some young people many years ago. And I'll never ever forget this. I'm going to end with this. And and after the outreach, we were all hot, so I thought I'm going to go and get some ice creams. 
for the guys. I had a van full of young people. And uh, so we go into the, into the dairy. There's a, a few of the other young people come in with me, three or four of them. And I went, as I walked in, I looked at the lady behind the counter. I said, G'day, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. She said, what? I said, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And she said, I don't want to talk about that. I said, that's okay, I do. He's got such a plan for your life. He loves you so much. And she said, I said, I don't want to talk about it. 75, 80 years old, lovely little lady. And I just keep sharing with her. And the more I'd share with her, the angrier she'd get. But I felt deep in my heart that this lady needs to be confronted with the gospel. The story I'm about to tell you, I've never been like this since. This was a one-off. You really need to get that. (laughs) So we start having this heated discussion about Jesus in the shop. She's yelling at me. She's screaming at me. She comes around from the other side of the counter and she starts pushing me. The young people that I'm with, they freak and leave. No ice creams. And I just stay in the shop. Just keep going at it. I'm going after her, man. I'm not letting her go. She's just groaning. And she didn't even know. I just keep going and going to the point where she pushed me out of the shop, yelling, screaming, swearing. Other people now are are watching, and it's quite a scene. And even as I was walking to my car, I said, it doesn't matter. He loves you so much. He's got such a plan for your life. And I jumped in the car, in the van, and drove back. I was a youth pastor at the time. And the Tuesday morning meeting was very interesting because every young person in that van, their parents complained because the kids were pretty scarred by the way the youth pastor handled himself in a dairy. But you see, I really felt it was God because love isn't just ear tickling. Sometimes love is confrontational. And uh, we start having this meeting and the, the board get on, you know, the board of trustees and whatnot, they'd say, well, you've got to send a letter of apology. I said, well, I can't read and write. So that's not happening. They said, well, Will, I thought that's that's an awesome, because I've got dyslexia. Wow, wow. And they said, well, we'll write it for you. You just need to sign it. And I said, okay. So uh, they gave me the letter on a later in the week, Thursday, Friday. I drove up there on Saturday just by myself to give it to this lady and I was, I was a little bit embarrassed I was a little bit annoyed I really pushed back in the meeting because I said hey you weren't there I believe that was God and they said how could that be God God is love yep but he did tip over tables in the temple and uh, I went inside and in the shop and there was this young lady I said how are you she said good I said I just want you to know that Jesus loves you so much she said oh thank you I started cheering with her. I said, hey, I've actually got a letter for the, the lovely elderly lady that was here last weekend. She said, oh, she's not here. I went, oh, when's she going to be back? Because I, uh, I really need to give her this letter. She said, she won't be back. She died on Thursday night. 
And in that moment, Holy Ghost showed me I was the last link in her chain. I don't know what happened when I left, but I know she was totally rocked by that encounter. I just pray even all these years later that it shook her enough because it was so intense. It shook her enough for her to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I ask you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Because if she didn't, she won't be in heaven. And that story has stuck with me for years. It really branded me. Because we're not playing games. People are dying every day without Jesus. And do you know what they need? They need you. They need you. You carry him wherever you go. They need you. A guy commented on one of my Facebooks when I was preaching on a plane. And he said this. He goes, I hate you and I hate everything you stand for. And I messaged him. I private messaged him. Got that off my wall. Then I private, private messaged him. I said, bro, what's going on? And he just sent all this abuse back in private messenger. So I made him a video. Just told him my story. How Jesus Christ has changed my life. I was a drug addict. And I sent it to him. And he sent another gnarly video back. And then I sent another video. And then, you know, that was probably about eight weeks ago. I drove home from church four weeks ago. There was a big crash not far from where I live. That young man went through the window screen of the car. He's now gone. 16 years old. But he could never stand before Jesus and say, Lord, but, but no one told me about you. Jesus would say, yes, they did. That guy on Facebook with the dreadlocks of tattoos, he sent you two videos. Your auntie, she told you about Jesus. You walked through the mall that day. You saw that Jesus Loves You t-shirt. You switched the TV on that day. You heard that guy preaching. All the opportunities, all the seeds that got sown. But he's got that, that free will. He can choose to accept Jesus or to choose to reject Him. But you, you, you reject Jesus and you go flying through a window screen and die, you're not going to make it. That is reality. And that is why I'm so strong on preaching the gospel. Because I want to see heaven filled. I want to stand on that wide road that leads to destruction with a stop sign and say, you are not coming past me. And I don't care how close I get to the edge and how bad my back gets burned. I do not want human beings falling into hell. If I could have every eye closed in here, please. We hear so often that Jesus Christ died on a cross for us. I just want to paint a little bit of a picture of that. He didn't just wander down and get tied on a cross and then hang up there for six hours and die of boredom. He got handed over by his friends. 
He got whipped. He got beaten to a pulp. His skin was hanging like ribbons. The crown of thorns got ripped down over his head. They pulled out his beard. This is Jesus Christ. This is the Jesus Christ that I met. They stripped him naked. They gambled his clothes. Humiliated. He was beaten like no other man had ever been beaten. They get these nails, they slam them through his hands. They get another nail, they chock his feet together, and they slam one through his feet. That's Jesus Christ. That is what He did for you. That is what love looks like. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. Three days later, He rose from the dead. He appeared to one, the Bible says. Then He appeared to 12. Then the Word of God says He appeared to over 500 with holes in His hands. Friends, that is Jesus. That is what He did for you. That is what love looks like. And 22 years ago, He appeared to me. My question is, what are you going to do with Jesus tonight? If you do not know Him, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Do not let fear hold you in your seat. Or if you're struggling, if you're away from God, God bless you. If you're away from God tonight, if you've been struggling because sin will separate you from God. If you've been struggling with sin, been struggling with addiction, you're feeling a million miles away from Him. He's here right now for you because He loves you. Tonight is your night. If your heart is beating right now and you know that you need to stand up, but you're too scared what your neighbor either side is going to think, that is called pride and that is not okay. Be bold. Be bold. He is so for you. He wants to break those chains tonight. He wants to wash you in His blood. He is a good Father. He's so for you. He is so for you. You know what? He looks through the movie of your life every day. All the good stuff and all the bad stuff. And he says this, you're my son and my daughter. I love you so much. It does not matter what you have done in the past. Today is a new day. Today is your day. Do not let pride or fear hold you in the seat. There's still more people that need to respond. God bless you, mate. God bless you, man. Tonight is your night. God bless you. Tonight is your night. I know I didn't plan to be so intense tonight. I actually said to Peter, just before, just as the worship was on, I said it's, it's going to be a lot different to how it was this morning because this morning was very intense. It's just the same, man. Because eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. You do not know what's going to happen when you leave this building. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. PJ, grab a mic, mate.
Stonewall people, Jay. As I was sharing before, I took one encounter to wipe all that fear away from me. It can take one encounter tonight to get all fear out of you. It can take one encounter tonight, one response for your life to change forever. For you to be in relationship with this Jesus who died on a cross. It wasn't those nails that kept Jesus on the cross. It was his love for us. Yeah, come on, man. I don't know about you, but there's no way that I couldn't be in relationship with someone who did that for me. Man, if that's you and you want to respond to that, can I encourage you as well? If, even if you, if you want to wipe all fear out of your life, if you want Holy Spirit to turn up, and you want all that fear gone, you want to go into your workplace, you want to go into wherever you go outside of these walls and preach the gospel, see people saved, see people radically encounter Jesus, why don't you stand as well and respond to that? I'm standing. I want all fear gone. I don't want any fear. Fear is something that holds all of us back at points. And this can always... It gets me mad. (laughs) Jesus. Okay, you guys that responded to getting right with God, giving your life to God, getting back on track, I want you to do something bold. Not Not for fear. We're going to do this in two stages. I want you to walk forward here right now. Come and line up here. Let's give them a clap, guys. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's not too late. It's not too late. If you need to get right with God, just walk up here right now. There is something so powerful about a public, making a public stand. There's something so powerful about a public declaration. So powerful. He wants to radically impact your life. I spoke to a young girl last night who used to hide under her mother's dress as a little girl. She was so scared of the world. She, she got told at school that she was brain dead. At 22 years old, she still thought that she was brain dead. She'd been listening to lies from the devil. Maybe you've been listening to lies in the last 15 minutes. I don't need to respond. I can do it at home. I can do it when I get home. I can do it in the car. Yeah, you can. But there is something so powerful and precious about a public declaration where people see that you're taking this serious. I'm going to count to three because there's still more people that need to respond. I'm feeling it in my heart. I just felt Holy Ghost say, keep going. If that's you, you need to just walk up here tonight.
because I believe tonight is going to massively impact your life. I believe chains are going to be broken off your life. I believe the guilt, the shame, all that junk is going to lift. There's so much freedom in our King, man. The Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. Three. Good on you, brother. Hey, come here, man. It was brave, man. It was brave. Good on you. Three. Come on. Who else needs to get right with God? Two. Come on. Don't let fear hold you in your seat. Don't let the the opinions of other people hold you in your seat. If you're not right with God, I want you to get down here right now. Man, I'm not playing games. Your eternity is everything. Your relationship with Him is everything. Two, come on. He is so for you, man. God sent His only begotten Son into the world to get slaughtered for you. And maybe tonight your heart out struggling in sin and in addiction and you're too scared because maybe you're not you. Maybe it's to this side of the crowd and pride is holding you back. I I know there is people over this side and it's time to get right with God. Don't let fear hold you in your seat or pride. Even if you don't like me, that's okay. He loves me. And I just want to see you on fire. I want to see you burning for Him. Three. Come on, if you need to get right with God, tonight is the night. Tonight is the night where He forgives you. He fills you up. And then we're going to send you out to invade the world around you. Because you can't give what you haven't got. Two. If your heart is racing now, just get up here, man. You think this is intense? Your first night in hell, that will be intense. This is not intense at all. This is love. One. Awesome. Okay, what I want all you guys to do, do not worry about anyone else right now. This is your moment with King Jesus. He's so for you. He loves you so much. He is going to forgive you. He's going to wash that sin away as far as the east is from the west. He is so for you. So for you. He loves you so much. And there's no magical words that I'm going to try and get you to say. It's not about that. It's about your heart. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. To be honest, I don't even know what that prayer is going to be till I start saying it. It's not the magical sinner's prayer. It's your heart saying, Jesus, forgive me. Come back and be the king of my life. Come back and take position of the throne of my heart. That's what we're doing. This is a very special, significant night for Activate. 
It really is. Look at all these beautiful young people, man. Yeah, go for it. There's, there's someone up here, what, someone uh, sitting down that's not up here who needs to be up here. I just see this picture of a, of a white rose, a beautiful white rose, but it's all hooked in these um, thorns. It's all in the middle of these thorns, and I see this flood coming in, and it's wiping all these thorns away, and it's just leaving this beautiful rose. And I'm, if that's touching your heart, you need to be up here. If that's hitting you, you need to be up here. I know it's for someone. Who, who's that? Who's that for? Jump up here, Jay. Say it again, man. White rose. There's thorns all throughout it. And the stalk wrapped all around the rose. This beautiful white rose waiting to get up. We're waiting to get out of these thorns. And I see this, this flood, this water washing away these thorns. And just leaving this beautiful flower. You? brother come on man bless you man so good bro so good so good he's so for you man he left the 99 to go and find the one he's so for you so good your life's never going to be the same again man He turned someone that was so broken and so scared and so full of all this addiction and junk into someone that now preaches the gospel around the world. It's amazing what he can do with such a broken heart. It's so good, man. So the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Believe in your heart, and this whole interaction is with your heart and heaven right now. Believe in your heart that Jesus got raised up from the dead. You will be saved. You see, Jesus said, no man goes to the Father, not to heaven, but to the Father, but through me. This whole gig is all about Jesus. I know there's still some people over there, and you need to get right with God. Don't let your frustration with me rob you of the most beautiful gift of the king that got slaughtered for you. Okay, what we're going to do, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just close your eyes. Don't worry about anyone else. This is between you and Jesus. And then Jay and I are going to come and pray for you guys. And then uh, we're just going to, we'll just keep going for a minute. And, uh, and then we're going to break fear, break the fear of man, break those chains of fear of your life, man. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Here we go. Dear Jesus. Okay, I think we're going to start again. And uh, we're not just saying the prayer to that sitting up there. We're saying a prayer from our heart towards heaven that's going to shake heaven. That we're going to, it's going to, it's going to, Jesus is sitting on a throne right now. I don't want him going, what was that? I want him to go, yeah, come on. So I want to hear a bit of passion. This is it. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Tonight is significant. Dear Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I believe that you died on a cross for me 
because you love me. I believe that God raised you up from the dead. I ask you right now to forgive me of all my sin. So I am blood washed. Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord and Saviour. Be my very best friend. I love you, Jesus. Help me impact the world for you. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Awesome. Come on.